Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Hey, 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 what's happening? Good morning and welcome to the program. It is the Thursday edition of the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station, and or FM translator, and of course, live around the world every day uh, at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you'll find the uh, audio-only live stream, links to the social media sites, like stites, the sites, the things, the deals, like Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, and, of course, links to our podcast like you'd find on Spotify. Just uh, Spotify, Caster, TuneIn Radio, wherever you find podcasts. Just go, go, go off with you. Be free. Uh, and uh, you can check it out. Well, welcome to Thursday. Busy week this week. Um, all, all, and it's been a, and it's been so fast. I mean, just the whole week is just coming at you at a blur. I can't believe it's Thursday already. Uh, we've been talking about local elections and uh, trying to focus on them because I believe that what we do locally is uh, it matters. <clears throat> it matters more than than a lot of the other things that uh, people seem to be focused on. Everybody seems to be focused on, like the presidential debate. Did anybody even watch the presidential debate yesterday? No? Yeah, me either. I mean, really, at this point, <laughs> to quote, what difference does it make at this point? I mean, we're so far ahead of the process at this point. Uh, anyway, uh, I believe that the difference that can really be made, especially in things that affect you directly, is at the local level. And um, that's why I've been trying to hyper-focus on what's happening in local areas around the state. <clears throat> and so we, uh, we, we continue. Today, uh, yesterday, it was all uh, uh, business on the peninsula. Today, it's going to be back up into the interior. We're going to be joined by two school board candidates, Maggie Matheson and Michael Humphrey. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, talk about their candidacy and why they have decided to run and, you know, what's going on and just uh, trying to get the feel here. I'm trying to stay in one of the things that I uh, that I discovered since I mean, I left Fairbanks 10 years ago and um, I kind of, you know, in a lot of ways, fallen out of touch with what's going on there directly because I'm not I'm, I got a lot of stuff going on. Right. And I don't live there anymore. So I'm not really deep hip deep in it all the time, but I'm doing my best to, uh, doing my best to try and, uh, uh, get back into, you know, the, down into the mud, so to speak, down into the nitty gritty of what's happening in these communities, not just Fairbanks, but also down into the peninsula and Kenai and Homer and things like that, because, you know, that's where, that's what the differences can be made. That's what, that's what we need to be we need to be paying attention to what's going on. Yeah, and Barbara says there's a ton of external money flowing into our elections. Exactly. 
I mean, I know that the unions and some outside groups have poured something like twenty or thirty thousand dollars into the local uh, school board election of all thing in Fairbanks. School boards in Fairbanks, Alaska. Why? Why would these outside groups want that? <clears throat> unless, unless they're trying to control what's going on in your children's education, which, if you think about it, from kind of a darker perspective that's a little troubling that's just a little troubling why outside groups would want to influence a small school board in a small borough slash county to them in a small area why would they why would they pour all that money in there it's interesting it's it's very interesting so we're gonna see what happens we're gonna we're we're watching we're watching we're gonna see what happens and uh, we're going to get the information that we can. So Maggie Matheson and uh, Michael Humphrey will be joining us this morning. Maggie in hour one, Michael in hour two, and uh, we'll get we'll, we'll get some we'll get some deets on what's happening in these various races. On Monday, looks like we're going to have Aaron Gibson uh, joining us from Fairbanks, and then I'm hoping to have another Peninsula. Um, um, uh, candidate so that we can kind of split the thing on there. So it's, it should be good. I I mean, my question is, where's all this outside money coming from? I thought that ballot measure number two was going to start, to, was going to stop the dark money, dark money. I mean, I thought that was, isn't that what we were told is that the dark money would go away. That's, that's what I was told. <laughs> And I was told there would be a pony, too. And I don't see that. Um, <clears throat> the uh, uh, Tomorrow on the program, by the way, I did confirm, hallelujah, uh, Jacob Sullum from Reason Magazine will be joining us to talk about, uh, well, all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. But mostly about uh, the uh, Hunter Biden thing and everything else. He's been, and, and what's going on in California with the... Uh, the large capacity magazine thing that Benitez has just enjoined, and he's been writing a, just a tremendous amount about uh, guns and firearms uh, changes and laws and, and court cases and everything else. So we'll have Jacob Sullivan for a full for a full deal tomorrow, starting at six twenty four. So don't uh, don't miss that. <clears throat> All right. What is the story? Because we got Maggie Matheson coming up here in just a few minutes. What is the story uh, that I wanted to cover this morning? This story actually kind of deserves its own, his own, its old, its own. Man, I talk for a living, and sometimes it's hard. Uh, its own segment because this is a very interesting proposition, and I had this the the first time I heard about it was yesterday, or the day before, whenever when I read it in the ADN. Alex DeMarban at the ADN has got this article talking about a $330 million energy storage project in Healy. And I saw the headline and I'm like, well, what's, you know, what's going on here? Never, never even heard about this. Um, it, it is a very interesting plan um, that uh, surrounds the idea of it, the problem with a lot of renewable energy, especially in Alaska is that the energy and the power is variable, and it can't be depended on, right? The wind blows, but does it always blow at the same speed? 
Uh, do you have some days that there's no wind blowing? You know, solar is there, but is the sun out and is it catching enough rays or is it is it not? I mean, that is the problem with a lot of renewable energy is that <clears throat> it is an inconsistent provider. It's not the constant steady drone of the giant turbine that's running on, you know, diesel oil or gas or whatever uh, that's providing that constant power 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's the biggest challenge. So this energy project... Um, could provide that bridge power, what they call the bridge power between uh, the times when the renewable energies are not uh, producing enough power to put the grid on and everything else. Um, this $330 million project would be funded in part by a $50 million grant from the federal government. The, go the government in the... Uh, Oh, the infrastructure, the bipartisan infrastructure bill put together a $350 million uh, grant program to explore uh, long duration energy storage in, uh, in various communities around the country. Um, the, if the selection opens up the possibility, uh, and the Federal Department of, the, of Energy has said that it has selected Westinghouse Electric uh, to be one of the recipients. And Westinghouse has proposed constructing an energy story facility in Healy at the site of the coal-fired power plant unit that's set to be retired at the end of next year. Which, I mean, that in and of itself has got, I, I have questions about that because that power plant provides a lot of energy to the Entertie to power the rail belt and Fairbanks and everything else. Um, but here's what I found interesting about this. This whole building um, would produce and store, excuse me, would create and store an energy uh, system using nothing more than heated concrete blocks. This is a fascinating idea. They've, uh, they said the, fil the facility would rely on a large number of heated concrete blocks to store releasable energy. The project would use a heat pump to draw electricity from the power grid and convert the electricity into heat stored in an inexpensive concrete block system. The, store en the stored energy is converted back into electricity using a heat engine. And they actually have a rendering up on the, on the, in the story at the ADN that Westinghouse posted on their uh, Twitter account. Um, and it shows these two big, long-housed concrete block facilities, two bit looks like two big buildings with all the electrical lines tying into them and everything else. It could generate enough heat uh, generate enough power rather through heat to power about 2,000 homes for a month, according to Meadow Bailey, the spokesperson for GVEA. GVEA, by the way, helped Westinghouse submit this uh, this project for this grant uh, as well. The project is in an early stage, but uh, GVEA is optimistic that it was it would work as planned. The utility needs to add renewable power to its systems, and the stored energy can support that renewable power. It acts like a battery, uh, but instead uses th pumped thermal energy instead of actual battery technology. Um, and, of course, this is going to be very important as we're looking at, down here in the south central area at a looming natural gas shortage. 
Uh, natural gas has been a godsend for my household. Uh, I mean, as I said earlier, that first year that we lived here, I saved something like $5,000 in utilities in the first eight months of living here just because it was much more uh, affordable, you know, much more inexpensive. Um, anyway, this project is slated to uh, go online if the, if the tests show that the power can be provided at a large scale, it's expected to be built out in five years, by 2028. And it's one of uh, nine selected. It's a fascinating concept. And you should uh, you should go check it out and uh, take a look at this story at the ADN, um, uh, which was posted a day ago by Alex DeMarban. Uh, the best news is that it doesn't require any actual batteries. So no lithium, no cadmium, no graphite, no nothing else, and then no disposal issues because the batteries don't wear out. Hard to wear out concrete blocks, right? You heat them, you cool them, you heat them, you cool them. Hard to wear them out. But uh, it's a fascinating concept, and I'm excited to see what, uh, you know, what comes of that. Um, and I mean, I mean, I'm not necessarily excited to go to all renewables because there are serious issues with some of that, but the biggest problem with renewables was the, was the problem of not being consistent and something like this, allowing it to switch on and off between this battery backup and the wind power or the solar power would be a good start, be a good start. All right. Uh, we got to go Maggie Matheson. I see her in the green room right now. She's hanging out there, smiling, drinking coffee, smoking cigars. It's a big deal. Uh, that's The green room is awesome. And she's got donuts that have absolutely no calories in them. I guaranteed it. That's exactly what I provide in my green room. All right, we got more coming up. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, good morning to all of you. Good morning. Uh, you all ready here? Let me see what you guys have been talking about before I jump in with Maggie. Uh, good morning, good morning, good morning. Debbie couldn't decide between YouTube or Facebook. It didn't matter to me. I could see all the comments. Uh, good morning, top of the morning. My dad's in here. Hey, Dad, how you doing? Brian said he dreamed that I was sentenced to prison last night. Well, uh, what are you trying to say, Brian? Um... A ton of external money flowing into the district and borough races. I mean, it's, I thought I thought that's what ballot measure number two was supposed to fix. No more dark money, right? I mean, come on. Um, uh, Westinghouse presented it back in February. Um, heated by what says Terry? The the it's heated by electricity. They they take excess electricity, they pour it into the heat, and then they take it back out later. It's very cool. Uh, or it could be filled with ang angry pixies, as Brian said. That's absolutely a scientific fact that you could fill that concrete with angry pixies and it would heat it up. All right. Um, that's it. Okay. I'm all caught up on the comments. All right. We're good. Let's 
let's get serious about this. Let's get uh, serious and jump on over to the, did you just hear my stomach? Holy cow. Somebody said donuts and my stomach just growled. Let's, uh, let's go over to uh, the uh, green room. We'll pull Maggie uh, out of it and uh, test her audio, make sure everything's good. And whew, there she is. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm wonderful. Okay. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming on board. I hope you enjoyed the donuts and the cigars. It's just all I, it's the <laughs> least I could do in the green room. Um, how, are, how are you all ready to go this morning? You ready to dive into this? I am. Okay. I am. Good. Good. All right. Um, well, we're going to, uh, we're going to, we're about uh, two and a half minutes out from uh, doing it. Uh, do me a favor. If you have a, uh, um, I'm just looking at your I'm just looking at your camera. If you've got a cloth, wipe wipe the camera lens of your camera cuz I got a big I got a big flare from a like a there's a there's a fingerprint. There's a fingerprint there. Oh, hey, look at that. It's it's clean. I know it's like every time I use my camera on my phone, I'm like, "Why do I look like a sm Oh, it's because I got ear boogers or something on it." And you know what? Hey, it's all clean, so it's all good. Um all right. Um so this is uh, this is a heck of a race, Maggie. I got to tell you, watching what's going on, this is a this is a heck of a race. Uh, and uh, we were just talking about the outside money and everything else. Uh, the fundraising has it, looking at the APOC reports has been very interesting to see who's raising funds and what. You guys are kind of the underdogs at this point. We are, but we we also are honest, and I think that the honesty is what's going to get us voted in. Yeah, um, we're we're not lying when we say that we're student focused. Um, I think that Mrs. Smith and I did a really exceptional job the past three years. I I don't think that I don't think that we need Planned Parenthood money. You know, right? No, exactly. I think I'm with you on that 100. percent So uh, okay, uh, well here we are about 90 seconds out. I'm going to. Uh, uh, I suppose I should throw up all the uh, branding and everything so people know who you are when they join. Uh, and, oh, I suppose I should change it so that you're also a, um, a candidate for school board. Uh, for school – I actually have to be able to talk and type at the same time. Look at that. It's all perfect. Okay. All right. Uh, well, Maggie, hold the line for a second. We're about to jump back into it, and uh, we will uh, get things done. Folks, do me a favor, please. Like the show and share the show wherever you're watching. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch, just just like and share and, and do all that kind of stuff. It helps people get – we need more people involved. Remember, getting this stuff done at the local level and getting people to pay attention is the important part. Um, because, I mean, you can't affect what's going on in Washington, D.C. Just, just forget about that. You should pay paying attention to what's going on in your school boards, your communities, your city councils, your assemblies, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so here we go. 20 seconds out, rejoining the radio, ready to do it. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the youtube stuff. Let's get to it. Here we go. Three, two. Public anima number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy, public enemy number one, which uh, makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the, uh, Michael Duke show. I am not. I am not. My mom may have said that, but she was wrong. I'm never, never a pain in the anything. 
All right, we're ready to do this here. We're talking about local stuff. We're focusing on the interior today, and we're talking about the school board race. Uh, Maggie Matheson is our guest. She is a candidate for school board, and uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk. She's running for re-election, so we're gonna talk about what's going on and uh, in the schools and what's you know how things are gonna go. So we start off uh, this morning. Good morning, Maggie. How are you? Good morning. Wonderful. How are you? Good. Good. I uh, got to tell you, the races, uh, they they be heating up. I mean, it's pretty crazy The uh, how how much focus. Uh, I remember when usually you wouldn't hear a peep from a school board member during a local election. And uh, these days it seems that the schools have become a hot issue. Now, that could be from COVID. It could be from kind of the disdain that some people in the education system are treating parents with. I don't know what it is. So let's talk about, I mean, when you first ran for uh, for uh, school board, what was the reason why you got involved? Because again, not a super glamorous position, right? I mean, not like it's uh, high visibility and, and everything else. So first, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you come from, and then let's talk about how you got started here. Um, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Maggie Matheson. I am a wife and I'm mother. Um, I mother. We have a blended family. So um, I have three children that I birthed, but seven total because we're just a big family. Wow. Um, yeah. And a cat, apparently. That wants out and it's too cold <laughs> to let him out. <laughs> um, I'm a first generation American. My parents are from um, Cuba and from El Salvador. And um, I'm a United States veteran, uh, United States Air Force veteran. And I received my MBA from UAF. Um, and I ran because it, the first time I ran because I didn't agree with all of the lockdowns and the um I didn't agree with what the the school board was doing they were overreaching um that it was my decision what I do with my children and their education and that's not what was happening then um so Mrs. Smith and I did um a lot of work Mrs. Burnett we did a lot of work at making sure that our um school policies matched what the Alaska state statutes say about parental rights. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Well, and that was it, right? That was the kind of the COVID lockdowns, the shutdowns of schools, the remote learning, um, you know, the mandates and everything else. There was a lot of people that really kind of, for the first time, I think, in their life, started paying attention to what was going on paying more attention to what was going on in their children's education. I think a lot of times people felt like it was kind of a set it and forget it, right? They would send the kids to school, make sure the kids are getting their grades and everything else, but they weren't really paying attention. And this was a little eye-opening for a lot of people and uh, mm -hmm. and started to catch your attention. So uh, I think a lot of people felt the way that you did that things, something had to change. And then we saw the pushback from various schools around the country, not just here in, in Alaska, but around mm -hmm. the country, basically saying, we know better than you how to educate your children. And people were like, wait a minute. Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of what happened, right? I mean, I know that's what Melissa Burnett, that was one of the reasons why she was feeling that way and she jumped in there. So um, you give us a little bit of a track record of what you've done. Give us, give us a little bit of a track record over what you've done uh, uh, since you've been in the school board and, uh, you know, what you're hoping to accomplish as you move forward. 
So, um, wow, we've done a lot. And, um, you know, the, the parental policy, the parental rights policies is one of the, the most recent ones. Um, I've been on the budget committee. I've been the chair for the budget committee, making sure that we present a fiscally responsible budget. Um, I've been on the diversity committee. Um, I, I've chaired their, their diversity committee and the curriculum committee, making sure that we're presenting curriculum that, that meets the federal and state standards and that is doesn't have ideologies in it you know that's that's the biggest thing um that's one of my understanding is is that the curriculum is is uh you know that there's a challenge right now in the curriculum that they have uh you know we're, we're missing simple things like civics and how the government works and everything else but we have a chock full of different ideologies and that's another thing that the people uh, you know the parents are are kind of rebelling against uh, what are we doing in the curriculum in the Fairbanks North Star Borough? What's uh, what's happening? What's happening there? So, um, so we've got a, a curriculum committee that um, they go through the books, they go through the curriculum, they go through the standards, the federal and state standards, and make sure that um, what we present to the board is um, a healthy curriculum, a healthy curriculum that meets the the standards. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a board made up of educators, of parents, of staff, um, of community stakeholders. So, um, so that we get well-rounded, um, advice from the community. Right. And that, that's what gets presented to the school board. So it's not, I don't get to choose the curriculum. No, you're just part, yeah, you're just part of the, you're part of the process, right? I mean, you're, you get the input into the process and is the curriculum what you'd like to see right now? I mean, do we have a good curriculum or, or is there still more work to do in that? I think that there's still more work to do. Um, we, so I don't know if you've heard uh, about some of the books in the library, Oh yeah. Um, I've read some yeah. excerpts. I can't read the excerpts on the air, but I can read them to, I can read them to myself, uh, you know, but yeah, it's not something I could actually read on a radio station without getting a license, uh, you know, a licensed fine. Yeah. And so if we can't read it on the air, it shouldn't be in our schools. Um, I'm not saying ban books from the library. I know that that's what the other side is trying oh, yeah. to say that yeah. Mrs. Smith and I are book banners and book burners we're yeah, not yeah you want to pile up all the knowledge and set a match to it right right and that's not the case we don't want pornography in our schools and i think that's the very basic i i, I don't understand um if if people if, if people in a school board meeting get uncomfortable when a parent starts reading from these books and they ask the children <laughs> to leave the room I have questions about why that same book is in a children's library in a school, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I feel like Mrs. Smith and I have been diligent about any books that are presented to us. We try to read them all the way through, make sure that, and, and we haven't banned a book from the school district yet, you know, um, but we're, we're trying to be diligent and we're trying to make sure that the things that we do present to either remove or keep at the schools that we are knowledgeable of it. Um, it's a lot of work. It's very interesting, but we're, we're doing it. 
Um, Maggie, what do you think um, is the biggest challenge facing the Fairbanks school districts right now? Um, and, you know, what have you been trying to do to to alleviate those problems as a member of the school board? What 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 are the biggest challenges facing the Fairbanks North Starborough School District that Fairbanks parents need to know about? I think that parental involvement is the biggest challenge. Um, when we get when we send out a survey and we send it out to the whole community and we get 12% parental involvement on those surveys, the school district sees that as a huge win because the bar has been set so low. So I think that we need to get more parents involved, um, not just survey taking, but going into the schools and actually seeing what your your students are are learning, getting to know your, your teachers. Um, teachers are, our instructors at the schools, our educators, what they want is a relationship with not just students, but with parents so that we can educate our students, not just, it, it's not one-sided, you know? So I think that that's right. the biggest challenge. Um, I tell everyone about every single event that I know of that's happening at the schools. I try to, I, I don't have a student that's, in a brick and mortar school right now. And I still try to attend all of the football games, all of the concerts, any plays. Um, like we have students that are so talented in so many different ways that we need to celebrate them. We need to support them. We need to be there. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's difficult. Uh, I mean, I've often argued that people, you know, the problem, this is how I see it. And you can comment on whether or not you think that I'm uh, right or not. The problem is, is that we're in a battle for the hearts and minds of our children right now. I mean, we're in a battle mm -hmm. for teaching them the idea, you know, we've forgotten how to teach children how to learn. We're kind of got them in this rote process instead of teaching them in the classical mm -hmm. style of the, you know, of the trivium of, uh, you know, uh, uh, logic, rhetoric and reason kind of thing. You know, we're, we're not teaching them how to learn. And so instead, we're just, you know, filling them with with all this kind of rote stuff. Um, and if you want to fight and change things, that's great. Uh, but I've been advocating for people to homeschool their kids. Don't put your kids in the middle of the battlefield while you're trying to fight the battle. You know what I mean? Uh, bring them home, teach them at home, and then go fight the battle so that they can, you know, be safe. But I know some people just don't have that option. But more parents do need to get involved, and and I don't know, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to get that involvement to turn, to you know, to turn that knob up to get more people to pay attention because you know we're busy, we got lives to lead, we're trying to make a living. We're doing their jobs and everything else. And I think some people have become dependent on the school system basically to become a glorified, you know, babysitter. And it's like, it's not my job to teach my kids. It's their job to teach the kids, which is great until they start teaching your kids stuff that you're like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, my children have all gone to early Head Start and Head Start and, um, that, and that's through the Fairbanks, um, Native Association, and they, one of the beautiful things that I was taught early on was that education is a partnership. It's not one-sided. Um, I can't depend on teachers and educators to teach my children because we need to, we need to, um, you know, like homework, it's, we need to practice it at home. So um, right. my job as their mom was, was to help them with their homework, read to them, um, spend time with them, ask them about their day. Um, there was a social studies class 
maybe about six years ago that I did not agree with, you know, being a first generation American, I understand what Nike in El Salvador will do. And there was a teacher that was talking about how the work conditions were awful. No, it actually keeps people from being trafficked and you're teaching them one way. I'm not okay with that. And being able to sit down with her and tell her, you know, that I didn't agree with, with what she was saying, um, opened up the door for my children to challenge things that, that they didn't think was right, you right. know, and, and it, and it empowers our children to debate and to question something that our society is uncomfortable with. Right. Nobody wants to debate. When we ask a question, we can't get a direct answer. It's extremely frustrating. We need to teach our children how to debate and we need to teach our children how to advocate for themselves. Right. Well, I mean, that's the whole rhetoric uh, comp component of the trivium of the, of, you know, of the whole three things that we need to be able to do. They need to be able to articulate and, and argue a point. Uh, mm -hmm. which is not encouraged in school today. It's definitely not encouraged. To, right. But again, we look at the results, Maggie. Here's the problem. The the results of this in the in the in the end is we've got students in this state who are at the lowest percentile in reading scores, in math scores, and all we ever seem to hear from everybody in education from the teachers and the administrators, the unions and down to the boards is Oh, if we just had more money, we could make it happen. But we've poured ever-increasing amounts of money into the school system, and we're still getting the same kind of result. We've got we've got a 25%, 24%, 23%, something like that, that don't even graduate, right? Your graduation rate's in the 75, 76 percentile, and most right. of them can't read at grade level. And our, <laughs> our, our, our grade school kids are in the lowest percentile for math and reading. There's some problems here, and we've got to figure out what it is. Yeah, I think we're focusing too much on DEI, and I feel that our the DEI um, that we that we're promoting is very divisive instead of um, bringing everyone together. And we're spending money. Well, this year I guess we didn't spend money, but we were spending money on that instead of focusing on pencils and um, hand soap and things like that that are actually going to help our children learn. Right. I mean, so supplement. I've heard stories of, you know, workbook pages where, you know, the people, they get the books, but they don't get the workbooks that you're supposed to write in. So teachers are spending money out of pocket to photocopy, you know, workbook pages and things like that for their own students. And things. I'm like, wait a second, we're spending millions of dollars and you guys can't provide a piece of paper for the kids to write on uh, with with the I mean, it, it's insane. Uh, and again, the DEI component of it is definitely uh, problematic, to say the least. All right, we're going to uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back here in just a second. Don't go anywhere. Maggie Matheson is our guest candidate for school board in the Fairbanks North Star Borough, running for re-election. We'll see what else she has to say here in a minute. We're going to talk about uh, the direction that she would like to go, and some of the changes that she would make if she were queen for a day. Back with more, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thing at radio. More right after this. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show.
Okay, uh, in the break right now, Maggie Matheson, our guest. Um, we are. She's a she's a, a lion tamer too, animal wrangler. Uh, with everything <laughs> that's going going on, that cat is loud. Holy cow, man! They did insistent. I want to go out now. That's good. Oh, and, he is really loud. Yeah. Um, Maggie, I mean the parental involvement, and somebody just said something here. Let me look up. Um, uh, what somebody said here. Uh. That might not always, uh, I think Lisa or Gary, whichever one it is, Lisa and Gary, they might not always be a school issue. A lot is a lack of parental engagement. So they're agreeing with you that that is part of the problem. Um, but I think part of the problem is, is that we've kind of lost our focus, right? We've kind of lost our focus from looking at from the, you know, the reading, writing, and arithmetic, especially in the younger mm -hmm. kids, in the in the grade school kids. I mean, why are we teaching, you know, diversity and all these other things to kids who are, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years old when they should be learning the fundamentals uh, that they need to then learn later on? Reading comprehension, you know, basic math, those kind of things. Those are the things that are slipping under the radar um, the kids who are in high school, maybe they are old enough to start to take on some of these bigger questions, but why are we focusing all this down in the lower levels right now when, again, they can't read a freaking book? You know what I mean? They can't, they can't pick up a Dr. Seuss book and, and one fish, red fish, two fish, blue fish. I mean, what, what happens there? Yeah. What happens there? I mean, I feel like we're giving like our teachers right now are trying to make chicken salad out of chicken poo because they were not giving them the support, the proper support that they need. Um, not just from the district, but from the parents. Um, we, I have been blessed with having some of the best kindergarten teachers ever that would not only give my children homework, but they would give me homework. Like, Hey, this is what your son is struggling with. Um, why why don't we work through this? And it it's that's my that's one of my sons right there. Um, but we we need to be involved. We need as parents, we need to be involved. Yeah. Well, and again, I don't know what the answer is to that. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a governmental function to get more parents involved. Uh, I don't know how you get them to care more or or do, you know, again, I and I and I don't really have any experience in this because we've homeschooled our kids the entire time. All my kids are now out of school. My late my youngest just graduated this last year and we put five kids through homeschool. So we were I guess you'd say we were the ultimately involved parents. Right. Because we we did it directly. But I don't know how to get that message out there to people to you know that you need to start paying attention to what's going on and 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 looking at this um i wish there were uh, i wish there was a way to you know wave a magic wand and get you know have people go like hey over here pay attention uh but you can't do it so that's why we have to have folks like you in the system fighting for uh the parents that i guess that aren't paying attention uh in the long run um, well and some of us can't i mean that with having to work multiple jobs and i understand that but we also have grandparents that can be involved. We have aunts and uncles. And I can tell you there was a time um, where my sister lived up here and she helped my husband and myself raise our children because, because we were so, um, because when we first got married, we were so poor and we had to work crazy hours, sure. you know, 
in order to get there. And my sister, I'm so grateful for her. She stepped in and she went to school and got the homeworks and found out what what our, our boys needed in order to succeed and then brought it home and explained it all to us so that we could be a part of that. Yeah. You know, well, and, and again, I just again, I, I wish there was a magic wand wave to get more people involved in that, but there's not. But it's good to see that uh, there's folks who are uh, in the uh, in the school board who are fighting those changes. Um, we I, I don't want to get too far in the weeds here because uh, uh, I don't want to repeat ourselves for the podcast here. So we want to make sure we're about to rejoin the radio here in about a minute or so. Uh, how long have you been in Alaska, Maggie? How long have you been up here? 25 years 25 years did you yeah did you come i've up... been here longer than i've been anywhere else <laughs> well did you come did you come here with your husband or did you meet him up here or... no i i told the air force to send me anywhere but alaska so they sent me to Isleson. yeah it's never a I good didn't... idea never a good idea what's your preferred places that. yeah what's your preferred places and where do you not want to go don't ever answer yeah. that questionnaire in a military form ever <laughs> ever but I love it here. I wouldn't want to raise my children anywhere else. Yeah. Well, I do. Yeah. Alaska. I used to say, no, I used to say nowhere but Fairbanks. And then I moved from Fairbanks and I'm like, nowhere but Alaska. Uh, there is life after yeah. Fairbanks. I love Fairbanks, but man, those 40, 50 well, bullet winners are, yeah, are, are bad. Hand him to me so that he's not whining like that. <laughs> she's going to, she's going to hold the cat. All right. Here we go. We're 20 seconds out. We're going to, uh, uh, my God, that can, that cat's a monster. All right. We're going to, uh, we're going to be back here. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio, like share, follow, subscribe, ring the bell. Let's get to it. Here we go. The Michael Duke show, not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy. Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. That's right. I'm not your daddy. I mean, I am a daddy, but you're, I'm not your... My daddy's in the chat room. Does that count? He's in there. It's not his talk radio show either. It's mine. Good morning. Welcome back to the program, The Michael Duke Show. We're uh, having conversations about local races. And it don't get more local or more lowly, I mean, I guess you could say. It's the lowest level of elected government service in the state, and that is the uh, school board. And uh, that, of course, it's ironic to me that the school board, uh, being the lowest level of elected office, is, to my mind, also one of the most important because you're molding and trying – you're working uh, on the system that shapes and molds our children. And uh, and I find that uh, to be important. Maggie, a uh, couple things. I want to start off with waving. I have this magical wand that basically makes you whatever I want to make you. So you're back on the school board. You're you're you got reelected. What is what is the next you know two years look like for Maggie Matheson on the school board as a real? What is your focus going to be? What are you going to be you know what are you going to be targeting and going after? What changes would you like to see that you think the folks out there, the electorate, needs to hear about? Thank you for asking that. Um, it's something that's actually really heavy on my mind a lot of the time. Um, back in the 70s, I think it was 74 or 75, we had um, we got rid of the CTE programs um, in our schools. 
Our students what, were graduating. Okay, CTE. Explain to people what CTE is because we're not in on the lingo. So this is career tech, right? Education. Yeah, it is. It's Votech, so right? It's, right. It's um, either avionics, um, mechanical, um, ele electrical, carpentry. Those, you know, the the hands-on stuff. Well, we got rid of it in the nation, and so the men in our society were unable to care for their families, which was one of the um, the points that that started breaking up families, you know. Because um, they weren't taught, you know, blue-collar, hands-on trades, things exactly. that they could do. Uh, we talk a lot about vocational education on this program because I believe it is one of the, you know, the fact that it, it, it and you're right, in the 70s and 80s, they started to look at it like with disdain, like, oh, you're exactly. just you're just an electrician. Oh, you're just a plumber. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. lady, that plumber makes $100,000 a year and doesn't have a quarter of a million dollars in school debt. Uh, and, he's, yes. and he's fixing your toilet because you don't know how. Right. Mm -hmm. But that you're right. It was kind of this disdain and they kind of shut a lot of those programs down and they they really stopped. Uh, they really stopped doing anything with it. Even when I, I was in high school in the 80s and there was an auto shop class. But quite honestly, I, I mean, I learned very little. I knew more about engines and cars and things like that because I had an interest in it. than the auto shop class taught it wasn't really a voc ed class. It was more like an elective, you know, kind of thing. Mm hmm. And so. um I'm in the, in the talks with, um, well, with our alternate um, schools. So, you know, the homeschool program, right. um, the, the CEC programs, the CTE programs, all of those. Um, in order to get, and I only, I, I'm in medicine. I've worked in that since I was in the Air Force. So um, I only know that aspect of it, but I'm hoping to bridge a gap right now. We, um, we have... We don't have enough CNAs, MAs, or dental assistants in our community, and that's nationwide. It's not right. just our community. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping that we can get a program in the high schools, you know, um, to have our our students graduate not just with their high school diploma, but with a certificate showing that they've completed the work that and they can be a dental assistant a certified dental assistant or um a certified medical assistant right um so that's what i'm working on that's one of the projects i'm working on another one is um my youngest is super super bougie when it comes to food <laughs> he sends me a picture of pizza and he's like mom you, we need to fix this we can't have junk food for lunch every day and i right. was like oh um so the school district they have um, they just received funding for one of the alternative programs to to buy grow towers and um, and start growing their vegetables in in the schools. And so um, we're hoping that we can get that started in the high schools and that'll help. It'll help with some of the um, problems that we're having in um, having healthy alternatives for lunch right well culinary programs right i mean you've got culinary programs you've got avtech and votech programs you've got mechanical programs you've got all these things that you know kids who show an aptitude or an interest in that i mean we need to stop this pipeline to poverty uh of you know go, go to high school get a good education then go to college and put yourself in tremendous debt to for four years 
to t- have another four years that you're not in the workforce, not learning on the job skills, not getting the money and everything else. I mean, I made I made more money uh, being a high school graduate. And, you know, in four years after I got done, I was making more money than most of my peers who went to college and got out. And I just mm-hmm. continued to go up from there because I didn't, you know. It's not that I didn't like I didn't like college. I, I didn't like college because I what didn't interest me in what I was doing. But it changes. And and we've got to get out of this pipeline of putting people in a tremendous amount of debt and burdening them and not giving them the opportunity to explore other avenues like, again, uh, the careers, uh, the technical, the Votech stuff. Um, I think that's hugely popular. Um or should be hugely popular and is is hugely important. If you've if you've watched anything with like the MicroWorks Foundation or anything else, you know how important that stuff is uh, to what's going on. Um, and and again, if you want your kids are like, I don't know what I can do. I can only work fast food, or I can only go work in retail for fifteen or twelve or thirteen bucks an hour. Take them to get them to that voc ed. They will find something. They can become an apprentice. Mm-hmm. They can go out and build things or do whatever. Um, all right, we're down wrong either with customer service no no there's not i'm just saying you know we keep poo-pooing the idea it seems like and it's getting better it's getting better over the last few years but for about a 30-year period there none none of the schools i mean if you if your kid graduated high school and became a mechanic people are like oh i'm so sorry for her her kid, right. you know, and her kid her didn't get didn't go to college. He became a mechanic or a or a plumber or something. Oh, that's just so sad. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That kid will be making more money than most of the college graduates in three or four years. You know, it, it's it's insane. Um, without the debt. Yeah, without the debt. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I we're running out of time real quick. I want you to give me the biggest differentiation between you and your opponent here. Give me two or three points of what makes you stand out from your opponent, and then we'll give you a chance to wrap up quickly here. Um, really, my uh, what I want to focus on is student outcomes, making sure that our students are graduating and they're they're workforce ready, college ready, um, union ready, or military ready. And um, I don't I don't care about DEI training. I don't m- me being Hispanic isn't going to hinder me from being successful. And I feel that the DEI trainings that we're having right now are very divisive, and they put people in categories. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm going to do the things that I'm going to do regardless of my, me being a woman, me being Hispanic, me, whatever, my hair being a different texture than someone else's, it doesn't matter. Um, What matters is who I am as a human being. I'm not going to disrespect anyone because of whatever their choices are. Um, And I'm smart. Right. So um, I don't need the degree to prove that I'm smart. I'm doing that on a daily basis, making sure that I'm raising children that can actually join our community function? and be productive. <laughs> can, can function in society and not curl into a little ball and suck their thumb about their safe space? Yeah, I got oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, Maggie, we're down to the last uh, minute and a half here. So here's your elevator pitch. You're standing alone in an elevator with a new person, and they're like, what do you do? I'm running for school board. Tell us why we should vote for Maggie and how to get a hold of you. Um, You can vote. You can uh-oh. Get a hold of me through um, my email, maggie.b.mathison.email. <laughs> okay. Um, and I, I, I really, well, I want to be back on the school board so that I can finish the work that I've started. And um, I'm student outcome focused and I want parental involvement. 
those are my biggest things right now for the school district. All right, Maggie Matheson, Maggie B, Maggie.B.Matheson at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead and send her an email and uh, vote for her, if for nothing else, to make sure that her cat gets fed or whatever it is, just so that she can go back and do it. <laughs> He's a fat cat. I know. He I just, just wants to go outside. <laughs> All right, Maggie, thank you so much for coming on board. Hold the line for just a second here. Uh, we're going to run over the top of the hour. Folks, coming up next, Michael Humphrey, also running for the school board in Fairbanks. It's a school board day. It's a school board day. We're going to be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. Back with more. Hour two, dead ahead. All right, Maggie, is there anything? This is my final bite at the apple segment. Um, Is there anything that we didn't get to that I didn't ask? Any questions that I didn't ask uh, or anything else that uh, you want to mention or talk about? Any other topic or subject or something that I didn't uh, embarrass or offend you with that you want to bring up? Whatever it is, uh, now's the time to do it. Um, No, actually, so much for making me feel comfortable. I was super nervous to get on on the show with you today. It's because I'm I'm scary. It's I'm scary. It's (laughs) it is. It's like having a cup of coffee with somebody. This is not this is not hard stuff. This is easy stuff, right? I mean, yes. So, so thank you for making it so comfortable. Well, no problem. Uh, we appreciate it. I mean, this is uh, what you're doing is important, and uh, I'm glad to see somebody stepping up. And you, I mean, for me, you checked all the boxes. I mean, the whole, you know, focusing on the basics instead of DEI and other things, getting the kids, learning them, you know, teaching them how to read, learning them, learning them how to, and we're learning them kids how to read, uh, learning, you know, teaching them how to read, getting them the math skills, getting them some basic skills like that, and then focusing on things like, you know, career tech and putting that back in and making it acceptable again. That's the thing, mm-hmm. the, the acceptance of making it acceptable again for somebody to say, I don't really want to go to college. That shouldn't be a crisis, dun, dun, dun moment, right? It should be something that kids can go, hey, you know, I, this, I want to do something good. I want to do something with my hands. Good for you. That should be an important, that should be an important part. Um, and I, I appreciate you doing all that hard work and getting it done. So, Maggie, thank you so much for coming on board. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Maggie Matheson uh, here on the program. Uh, I see that Michael Humphrey is uh, in the green room. Uh, again, also eating my donuts and smoking my cigars. I don't know what the heck is going on. I, I told him to put that box away. Uh, we are going to jump in with him here real quick. We're going to test his audio uh, and make sure everything is good. And then we will come back to him after we restart the show here in just a few minutes. But here is, whoops, here is Michael Oh, a magnificent bearded. See, this is a show run on 100% pure beard power. That's what it's all about. Good morning, sir. How are you? Uh, amazing, Michael. How are you? You know, I am doing good. Let me adjust your uh, let me adjust your audio here just a little bit. You're a little bit a uh, little bit uh, loud, so we'll get going on. Uh, you all you're all ready for this? You just you're prepped and ready. You got coffee. You couldn't couldn't be any better, right? It's uh, early in the morning, and I'm ready to go. It's yeah, early, I'm excited. It's early in the morning. Yes, it is. Yes. Welcome to my life. This is exactly what it's like. <laughs> um, so uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Michael was the uh, – he was the guy with the uh, with the walrus uh, at, the, uh, at the parade that won the actual float until they realized that it was uh, – 
a symbol that they didn't anyway. It's a whole thing. It, it was it was a hysterical, it was a hysterical thing. But Michael has been fighting for uh, for the kids and the school board, and uh, you know trying to get things rolling on. So we're I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, so uh, hold the. <laughs> Whoa, buddy. The beard levels in here are at about 42% over acceptable safety <laughs> threshold, says Anthony. I mean, come on. That's the that's the that's the good stuff there. Um, yeah, and he's dressed for success, Debbie. You always dress for the job you want, right? That's that's what it's about. Uh I mean, I never wear a suit because I don't want that job. That's what I'm saying. Uh, you know, polo shirt with watermelons, sure, just about my speed. That's just about where I'm at right now. All right, uh, Michael, hold the line. I'm going to pull you back into the green room here for a second. We're going to get things ready. Let me go back. <clears throat> Let me go back uh, and see what um, you guys have been talking about. I, I've read some of the comments on the air, but uh, here you go. Uh, let's go, Maggie. Vote for Maggie. She's got my vote. Um, uh, hands is really good for the boys. If you want, uh, Brian said, if you want steady, high-demand work, get a NYSET fire alarm certification. Uh, apparently, that's for checking and installing fire alarms. The trades <clears throat> are, are where to go. Trades are hurting for young, fresh talent right now, but all these kids are being taught incorrectly that college is the only route to success. I mean, exactly. Like I said, when a mom told another mom, oh, yes, Johnny doesn't want to go to high, doesn't want to go to college, he wants to go you know, he wants to go be a plumber and she, oh, I'm so sorry, Susie. Like it's somebody died or something. Are you kidding me? I mean, little Johnny becoming a plumber or a carpenter or a mechanic. Somebody said, uh, who was it? I saw it as it went by. Here you go. <clears throat> Melissa says her high school senior makes $32 an hour as a mechanic. Hello? Hello? I mean, diesel mechanics? That you want a job on the slope, working on things and doing stuff like that, making big money? There you go. Or a carpenter, or a plumber, or an electrician, or a whatever. There's so many jobs out there where they're just hungry for people. Truck driver. <clears throat> Truck driver. F you know, find a need, fill a need. Look at where there are. There is definitely... <clears throat> There's definitely a slew of jobs that could use some help that are definitely low and there are good, high paying jobs. Um, you know, it, that just leaves all the jobs at Starbucks for the college graduates. There you go. Vote for Maggie. Vote for Maggie. Thank you for all those folks who were listening in for Maggie. Um, <laughs> somebody's talking about the feral cat, the beard power. Okay. I think we're all good. Jennifer says, oops. Uh, Jennifer says, I, holy cow, everything just jumped. I love Johnny the Walrus. I want to get a picture with him, <laughs> says Jennifer. Maybe that's, maybe that's his next, uh, maybe that's his next, uh, uh, you know, campaign stop where he puts up the walrus and, you know, five buck donation, gets you a picture with a walrus or something. Johnny the Walrus. All right. <clears throat> Let's, uh, let's turn this thing around, my friends. We're ready to go. Hour two continues michael humphrey our guest the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio let's get to it here we go
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find links to everything. Podcast, live stream, uh, social media sites where we simulcast the show every morning on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Uh, also, of course, live around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning. If you're just joining us uh, here in hour two, we're focused today again on local elections. Yesterday, it was everything had to do with the peninsula. We had school board members from the peninsula and assembly member people running for assembly. Uh, today, we're back up in the interior and we're doing uh, school boards. Again, it's ironic to me that the low Holiest, quote unquote, elected office in the state is a school board position, but that's a position where we're going to send our children to be shaped and molded into new adults. Uh, we should be paying attention to these races, which is why we've uh, invited onto the program a variety of candidates from around the state. Uh, joining us here in hour two is Michael Humphrey, who is running for school board here uh, or in the interior, not here in the interior because I'm in South Central, but in the interior. Uh, and he joins us this morning to uh, discuss his candidacy, what's going on and more. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Michael. How are you? You know, it's just another beautiful day in paradise. I feel I feel good about it. There's no snow yet. Any day without snow for me is okay. I know it's coming, but uh, just don't just don't harsh my mellow, man. Um, just another uh, day I can procrastinate before getting ready. I guess exactly, exactly, uh, Michael. So I mean, you've uh, you've made a bit of a splash in the uh, in the interior here with this race and talking about things. But before we get down into that, let's talk a little bit about who Michael Humphrey is. Give us uh, you know who you are, where you are, where you came from, little background, uh, and we'll move on from there. Sure. I'm a husband, been married to my wife uh, for 15 years, uh, father of six. We've had three kids since moving to Alaska. Um, I'm a United States Marine. I, uh, I got my degree and studied in uh, Herzliya, Israel uh, at uh, Reichman University. Uh, I have a degree in government with a specialization in counterterrorism and international relations. And uh, I'm running for school board because I'm just not happy with, uh, with the way things are going. Um, everybody sees test scores as evidence uh, of, of everything going downhill. They see uh, the, the infiltration of radical ideas into the classroom and uh, somebody needs to stand up and say, you know, I'm going to stand in the way and say no. Uh, I mean, you know, first of all, Semper Fi. Second of all, 
the uh, the, the counterterrorism uh, bit uh, with your education may help you in the job that you're working on right now. It's a, it's a tough situation out there, that's for sure. Uh, and I think a lot of people, I think you've hit the nail right on the head. A lot of people are looking at this. Uh, all we ever hear about is how we could do so much more if we had more money. But, uh, you know, you look at the test scores, you look at the graphs at, as to where they've been. Uh, you know, since Sarah Palin has been in office, uh, was it was in office rather, you know, the graduation rate has only increased by about 3%. So we've got about a 76% graduation right now. Um, so one in, one in four kids is being left behind and failed. The, the, the scores for the grade schoolers in math and reading are in the lowest, almost lowest percentile in every category that we can get. This is a, yeah. this is a tough situation and something has got to change. Um, and, and I think that at the school board, that's the place to start at this point because something has got to change. We've got to admit that what we're doing right now is not working and we've got to fix it. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, you're not wrong about test scores declining. Really, the only national metrics we have, uh, they show us that in all the categories, our best performing category, I believe, is uh, eighth grade math. You can fact check me on that. But our best performing category, we have only uh, a handful of states worse than us. And that's our best performing category. So things are, are looking down, not up for academic excellence and for achievement. That means, you know, the world that these kids graduate and create that we have to live in is is really based around the lowest common denominator. And that's not good for anybody. That's not right. good for the kids. It's not good for the people who uh, have to live in that world. Absolutely. Uh, Michael, what was the one thing? I mean, you know, when I ran, I was on the borough assembly there in Fairbanks, and, and I remember making that decision. Um, and for me, it was a specific thing that I was I was so agitated about. And I figured I looked in the mirror and said, if not me, then who? And if not now, then when? Um, so was there one thing that kind of tripped you over to said, I'm going to do this? Uh, I'm assuming you're living a busy life and everything else. And this is probably the last thing that most people want to do. But was there a specific thing that you that tripped you over or is it a combination of things? What what's caused you to lose your mind and jump into this whole madness here? Yeah, um, I, honest, honestly, I think it's evidenced by uh, the parade float that you mentioned. Uh, Johnny the Walrus is really a story about the limit of children's imagination. And, um, you know, children have a great imagination, but in the schools uh, with certain teachers and uh, certain classes, these kinds of things are, are blown out of proportion. Kids are made to believe things that aren't true. I've got four kids uh, in the public school system and two more to come uh, when they get old enough. And I don't need them going to school to learn new values that uh, we're not teaching them at home. They go to school to learn um, and, you know, they spend a significant number of hours there a day. And I don't want that kind of indoctrination on my kids. And really, you know, when you when you look in the mirror and you say, if not who, if not me, then who? A lot of people are just scared to say this kind of thing. I think saying it with Johnny the Walrus is a fun way to say kids have an imagination, but our job is not to affirm them. Our job is to guide them. And, um, you know, that's really that's really what did it for me. But it all funnels back to everything that I'm talking about and everything that I do funnels back to academic excellence, because, you know, when they talk about things that aren't uh, the school subjects they should be learning in the classroom, that's time they're not spending getting proficient and and catching up to the grade level they should be at and being able to perform, uh, you know, on par with everyone else in the nation. So uh, eliminating uh, ideologies in the classroom really is just about uh, improving uh, academic performance overall. 
You mentioned Johnny the Walrus. Now, for those, that's a he's a character out of a book by the Tuttle Twins, right? Um, uh, uh, Matt Walsh. Yeah. Matt Walsh. I'm sorry, Matt Walsh, not the Tuttle Twins. Yeah, Matt Walsh. Um, and you put him on a float for the Golden Days Parade, which is an annual parade held in Fairbanks in July to celebrate Fairbanks and the community. Um, and you actually, um, you actually won a most inspiring or best float, or you won some prize for it. Until somebody yeah. figured out that it was a character from a Matt Walsh book, and then people started to lose their mind because it was apparently ideology driven, but it, it captured people's imagination, and and that's what kind of got me was even the people who didn't know what it meant were excited about it until they figured out that oh this may stand for something that I'm not the 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 fur over this was kind of crazy. Well, you know, I'll I'll admit to a little bit of naivete there. Um, it's a best-selling book. It's got almost 8,000 reviews on Amazon, almost five stars. Uh, it's been on the bestseller list. It's for a, for a kid's cardboard flip book. Uh, it's incredibly popular. So to have a walrus with a specific name on it, to me, is a no-brainer. I just assumed that everybody would understand. Besides, I was in the best political float category. Um, and, you know, then the judges came out and say, well, you know, it's not about the best float. It's about whether or not I agree with it. And if I'd known what it was, I wouldn't have awarded the... Uh, the prize for best political float. But you're right, uh, along the parade route, we got thousands of comments about how amazing it was. It, it was you know, a real traditional parade float, the kind of thing that you expect to see in a parade, and we put a lot of effort into it. Right. My family was out there walking with me, and uh, it was a great time, and hopefully it got people to really, um, who didn't already know about Johnny the Walrus, got them to look and understand that um, you know, sometimes uh, kids have, have interesting ideas but it's our job as parents to to guide them and not to indulge every fantasy that they have uh michael humphrey is our guest running for fairbanks school board if you could concise down the problems that you're seeing in the school board right now uh maybe the you know the hot button two or three issues that need to be addressed uh, obviously i think i obviously based on what we just talked about we know one but give me a concise you know a lineup of the things that you see in the in the school board that you think need to be addressed right now yeah absolutely and uh, you know, I, I want to applaud uh, Maggie Matheson and April Smith and Melissa Burnett for the work they've done. The problem is they're outnumbered, and so they need you know they need reinforcements. Um, the the problems I see number one is is the uh, the creeping of these radical ideologies. You know, it comes in various forms. It's not in the official curriculum, of course. Just like they say critical race theory and these kinds of things, they're not in the curriculum. They still make their way into the classroom. Uh, and that happens in all, all sorts of forms. I've said recently in the news minor that, uh, you know, the only flags in a classroom should be the American flag and the Alaska flag. Um, and that's that's a, one way to clamp down on that. Second is parental involvement. And I know Maggie talked about this earlier this morning. I've been beating the drum on parental involvement. Um, homeschool kids do amazing. And it's not because their parents are professional educators. It's because there's real buy-in from people in their lives. When you send kids to school, like you said, Michael, it's kind of a set it and forget it thing. You expect them to go learn, come back, and, and you know rinse and repeat the next day uh, a lot of times. But parents need to be involved. They need to know their teachers. They need to know what's happening in the classroom. They need more opportunities to volunteer. Schools should be required to put out weekly flyers or sign-up sheets or all sorts of volunteer opportunities just to get parents who are able into the classroom. The more parental buy-in you can get, uh, the less students will misbehave, uh, the more invested everyone will be in their education. And then third is budget stability. Um, everybody says we need more dollars, and that's probably true. Uh, more money, though, only makes things easier. 
Uh, most, most studies that you look at will show no direct correlation between spending and academic achievement. And that's because it's not really about how much money you have, but how you spend it. I know the, the borough and the taxpayers are going to be significantly less likely to want to give us more money up to the cap if we're not proving that we're spending that money wisely. If we're right. not showing that it's not going to these radical initiatives, they're, they're not going to be willing. You know, They're going to fund it 77% of the cap, which is the average. And if that's the case, we need to have that stability. We need to have an idea of what it's going to be. And we need to plan for that on, on you know, year-round budget uh, cycles instead of just waiting to the last minute to make a bunch of rash decisions. So budget stability is, is really key, whether or not that comes with additional monies. Well, it's interesting because, again, if you look at the statistics and you see, I mean, I know we've heard a lot in the newspapers, in the public, from talking heads, from politicians, uh, basically all saying, oh, education has been flat funded for this and flat. But the actual, I mean, th- they're talking about specifically the BSA. They're not talking about all education spending. Education spending uh, over the last 20 years has gone up like th- almost 30 percent overall. And yet our scholastic achievement scores continue to decline. Our graduation rate has remained nearly motionless with one in four children being left behind. Many of those graduates can't go to college and take a 100-level math class. Many of them, over 60%, have to get tutoring on top of that. Many of them can't read at grade level. So we've increased yeah. the funding. We're spending, you know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen thousand $18,000 per child, and we're failing. We're getting, you know, they're producing a product that is subpar. How is more money going to fix that? Now, maybe is it more money getting directly into the classroom instead of getting into the overhead and the administration, adding another counselor, adding another janitor, uh, instead making sure that we're actually getting materials in the classroom? I mean, what is the what is the answer there? Well, you know, and we don't have to make these decisions in a vacuum. We can uh, learn from everybody else who's made these mistakes. I don't know if you saw the article over the weekend about uh, Baltimore public schools. But in Maryland, they are the uh, the most dollars per student uh, in the entire state by a long shot. Their CEO of the school system makes four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. They received, uh, I believe, I know this is a crazy number. They received eight hundred million in COVID funding, and they have by far the lowest test scores of any school district in the state. So we don't have to make these decisions in a vacuum. There is one thing that we can do uh, in order to spend the money wisely to improve academic performance, which again is the goal, and that's lower class sizes. That's really the only thing um, th- where you're gonna put dollars is actually going to result in increased student performance. So whatever we've gotta do to make that happen, whatever else needs to get cut or, or pared down or whatever options you need to get eliminated, that needs to happen because lower class sizes are where it's at. Michael Humphrey is our guest, candidate for Fairbanks North Star Borough School Board. We're gonna continue here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We will continue with more and Michael Humphrey right after these messages. Don't go anywhere. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now and we're ready to (laughs) go. Michael's changed rooms on us all of a sudden. Boom, there we go. Brick wall. Uh, It's all good. Uh, Michael uh, Humphrey, our guest here on the program. 
Um, lining the pockets of the administration, says Denise. That's one of the things that uh, – and, and we've seen that. I mean, the Baltimore story is – I had not seen that story, but it does not surprise me. That we have, I mean, if you look at the if you look at the uh, the scholastic scores, the funding scores, and the administration versus teaching staffs uh, uh, graphs, and you put them all on one graph, it's amazing to watch. You know, funding for schools has continually increased. Uh, scholastic scores have continually decreased. The uh, administrative overhead and the admin- number of administrators versus teacher has gone like this. Teachers are going like this. I mean, I think that there's some correlation in all those things. Uh, when I was in high school, it was mostly teachers, right? You had a guidance counselor. You had a principal and a vice principal. You had the office staff. And that was pretty much it. I think there was like one or two guidance counselors in the whole thing. Most of it was teacher. You had 50 teachers and eight staff. And now it's you know it's it's changed dramatically to where in some cases it's uh, you know it's two or three staff for for a single teacher that's insane yeah that's insane yeah yeah and it's it's uh, also the administrative staff that you just don't see you know they they don't go to the schools they're downtown uh, working in offices doing who knows what um, and uh, I know that they also need to provide for their families but uh, uh, we have way too many administrative staff and not enough teachers because, uh, like I said, you're not going to improve student performance through more administrators. You are going to improve student performance by lowering class sizes. Absolutely. I mean, and I mean it, that's proven out. That's proven out by homeschoolers because that is the ultimate low class size, right? One on one, two on one, that kind of thing. Um, and you know, how much of a, well, actually I'll wait, I'll hold that question for when we get back because I want the folks on the radio to hear it. Uh, give us a little bit more of your background. Mike, you said you moved up here. You had three kids since you've been here. Where'd you come from originally? Yeah. So I grew up in Arkansas, small town of about 25,000 people, uh, out of there, I joined the Marine Corps, uh, came back to work in Arkansas for a little bit. I went to school in Israel for three years. Um, met my wife going to school, uh, there at the same time. She's Israeli, had just gotten out of the Israeli army. And uh, so we got married uh, and then moved back to the States. Um, we spent a little bit of time in Arkansas uh, looking for cold weather and open spaces. We went to Wyoming, which was great, but uh, really Alaska is where it's at. So uh, you know, I, when I was looking for where to go, cold weather and open spaces, Fairbanks was the ticket. So, <laughs> My God, man. Cold weather and open spaces. That's uh, You are a glutton for punishment for sure. That, uh, <laughs> you know, I spent I, I, I spent 45 years in Fairbanks and then the warden gave me the parole I could leave. So I, I moved down yeah. to I moved down to the subtropical Matsu here where it's uh, where it's a little bit nicer. But I got to tell you, you're right. Alaska is the way to go. Alaska definitely is the way to go. Uh, um, but it's, it's good to see, you know, importing good talent into what's going on. You've got children. Are you, your children are in school. You're not homeschooling, right? Your, your children are all in the school system. So you've got a dog, you've got a dog in the fight, so to speak, uh, on this, um, talk for a minute here. We got about a minute before we rejoin, uh, talk for a minute here about a little bit of the blowback on the whole, the parade float thing. Was that a positive for you? A net positive? Was it a net? Was it a negative? What was the you know what was the overall feel on that? Yeah, um, I, I've got so many am- amazing comments. You know, it made the Matt Walsh show. Uh, we got a lot of national exposure. I got uh, messages of support from all around the country. Uh, that was amazing. Um, people saying, you know, I wish I could do this kind of thing in, in my hometown. Um, I did get a lot of heat for it. Um, a lot of uh, you know, the news miner um, at work, that kind of thing. 
but uh, nothing that I uh, couldn't weather. So um, a lot of people want to go from, please don't teach my kid your fantasies and your values to, oh, that means he hates certain kids and wants them to die. So it's a, it's a logical leap that I just can't make, and I'm not yeah. sure how they get there. Well, that's an insane – I mean, that's an ad, I mean, that's an ad hominem strawman argument right there. Just because I don't agree with it does not mean that I want people to die. But that's kind of the extremes that we're reaching these days where you can't agree to disagree. If you don't agree with me, you are obviously the enemy and you want people to die. That's kind of the reaction that a lot of people get, and it's, it's, it's crazy. All right, we're 10 seconds out. We're ready to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow. Let's get going right now. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. It's a pinch. I mean, you know, just depends. A little dabble do you. Back with more. The Michael Duke Show continues. Michael Humphrey, our guest candidate for Fairbanks North Star Borough School District. Uh, Michael, one of the things, of course, that uh, has driven a lot of interest in um, in schools, in what's going on in the school board races around the country, not just in Alaska, but around the country, of course, came out of COVID because people saw school systems make in some cases, horrendous decisions. I mean, in the case of California, they fought actually opening schools back up before they got some quid pro quo on some equity things and social justice stuff and everything else. Meanwhile, the students were suffering. Um, what is your take on how the Fairbanks North Star Borough did on the COVID time? Was that part of your reason for wanting to join uh, uh, you know, join this race? What you know, Give us your thoughts on how that was handled and what you would have done differently, et cetera. Yeah, I, uh, man, COVID was interesting. Um, I give people about three months, three months to uh, hear the data that's coming out and be a little concerned and a little uncertain. Uh, the government was telling us it's nothing like we've ever faced before. But after three months, the data was there. And the data said that uh, masking was ineffective. Now we've seen the Cochrane Review uh, the most comprehensive review, uh, gold standard study of all the studies that have ever been done showing that mask, masking has 0% efficacy. Um, so, you know, we've seen that uh, been spun at the national level, but uh, masking doesn't work. And we've known that since around the first three months, if, if you didn't have an intuition about that before. Same with vaccines. Um, I'm glad that they didn't end up with uh, some kind of uh, vaccine mandate at the school level. My kids uh, obviously would have been out at that point, but not everybody can afford to just pull their kids out of school. So that would have been devastating. Uh, it would have violated all sorts of, you know, right of conscience and uh, informed consent and that kind of thing. Uh, but the vaccines also, you know, uh, kids 18 and under uh, being seriously harmed from COVID, COVID are, are drastically low. Those numbers, um, it's not a conspiracy to say that, um, that, the, that the common cold or the flu, I guess, is uh, as devastating as COVID or, or even more devastating than COVID for kids 18 and under. That's not a conspiracy anymore. We have the data. Uh, there, there's some data su to suggest that the people 65 and older could benefit from the vaccine, but with all the health side effects that we're seeing now, I'm not even sure that that makes sense. But they just didn't trust us to look at the data and come to our own conclusions. They said, sure, the data says this, but our recommendation at the state level especially is Kids should be universally masked. We should close schools, you know, when they're, if we can, that kind of stuff. And it didn't make sense. It never made sense. 
you're seeing around the country that uh, kids are grade levels behind where they should be. And COVID is a big part of that. Yeah, no, I mean, it was the, the greatest loss of learning in our country's history. Uh, over those, uh, you know, that two year period, some schools were closed down for almost two full years uh, with they had some remote learning and everything else. But, you know, going back to in-person brick and mortar, some places it was two years uh, in in yeah. Alaska. We were usually, you know, we were a lot shorter than that in Alaska in most places. Um, but it was, you know, this is an important time and it was important not just for the kids, but also for the economy, for parents to be able to go back to work and do things like that. Uh, but it was important. Uh, Fairbanks obviously had some remote learning and other things. Did that work for you and your family during that time? Absolutely not. I mean, I, I love our school, but we had teachers showing up incredibly late to class. The learning just wasn't there. If you think that uh, oftentimes in-person learning is too cookie cutter, Imagine when you've just got a couple icons on a screen. It was it was the most depersonalized learning experience. The kids didn't pick up a lot from that. My wife uh, stays at home, so you know we had the luxury of of her working with the kids to get their reading levels where they needed to be and and that kind of thing. But most people didn't have that luxury, and uh, it was it was devastating. Uh, I understand that some of the school board people on the school board had trouble voting to return to school because they had all of these supposed experts that you you know they're they're paid to to make decisions in your best interest telling you that if you open schools people are going to die the problem is the data just didn't support that i think matt sampson was uh was pretty good on a lot of this but uh you know it was um uh, that was a real failure uh, of the school district not to start classes sooner and to really throw away the education for, for those kids. Well, yeah, as a sidebar, COVID, I mean, the fear mongering amongst COVID was just so astronomical and it's fundamentally changed the way we do business in a lot of ways uh, still today. Um, I think people, you know, it, it scared everybody into a sense of their own mortality and this making it's making still we're still feeling the ripples and waves from that right now for sure. Um, let's talk about the uh, what you mentioned it earlier uh, on the um, the uh, the DEI kind of stuff, the critical race theory, the kind of some a lot of these things. I mean, my question to Maggie is the same question that I'm going to ask to you, especially in the grade schools, especially you know one through six, kindergarten through six, kindergarten through middle school. I mean, shouldn't this be the time that we're teaching the kids the basics of learning, how to learn, you know, the reading and the writing, the reasoning, logic, I mean, that kind of stuff before we start getting into philosophies and and all this other stuff? I mean, it just seems like if we can't get fourth graders to be able to hit reading level proficiency, that should be the prime focus instead of cultural things and, uh, you know, social science things and, and all this other kind of stuff. Shouldn't that be the focus instead of all this ancillary stuff? I mean, absolutely. I, I've been uh, every time I get an opportunity to speak or to be interviewed, I've been preaching, uh, you know, rigorous academics. And that excludes a lot of the things, uh, a lot of these critical race theory, theory type things that you're talking about. But that's that's what kids need. What you'll hear from the other side, though, is what you hear again at the national level. That's not happening. That's not in our curriculum. But if it is, it's good. And so they want to talk out both sides of their mouth. They want to say that uh, it's not officially in the curriculum, which is true. These principles and these ideas, uh, you know, that people should be lumped into categories based on race and all disparity is is due to race or other immutable characteristics uh, that that fund that are the foundation of critical race theory. These make their way into the classroom, and the people on the other side, uh, you know, my opponent and others, they want them in the classroom. 
This is the kind of thing they're they're perfectly willing to say that's not not in our curriculum, but we wish it was. And uh, yeah, there's there's no reason for for that kind of thing to be in public schools, grades one through six or even higher. No, I mean, especially I mean, I I would say, you know, the only time I would think that something even a debate on here's the problem, though, there is no debate They're They're laying these things out as if they're fact. And if somebody challenges them on it, and of course, most children in the younger children are not going to do that. Uh, maybe in high school, they have the ability, if they've been taught correctly, to debate and question and do that kind of stuff. But even at that point, it, it, it you know, you've got a person in position of authority who's pushing these ideals and people wonder why their kids come home and they're talking totally different than what their own personal family beliefs are. It's not surprising when that kind of stuff is being forced down their throat instead of teaching the basics, again, of, you know, grammar logic rhetoric the, the the you know the the trivium of of kind of rational thought the classical t- style education well and you know the other side they love to play with vocabulary we see this all the time uh they they change words to mean different things so that it sounds palatable to the general audience you'll hear everybody on the other side talk about respect and inclusion and diversity these are all great concepts i mean no one believes that students should be disrespected but that's not what they mean what they mean is that these concepts need to be taught to everyone so that they can learn this compulsory speech of new pronouns. They can learn these ideals to talk about uh, these new values and the terminology that the left wants them to learn. So, you know, they say great things if you just look at face value. But the second you get into how is that going to happen, they lose the plot. Uh, at the um, we had a League of Women Voters forum uh, recently. And uh, at the end of the forum, we got the opportunity to ask our opponent a question. And uh, my question for Tim Doran, my opponent, was very simple. Uh, we, he had 60 seconds to answer, and it should have taken him three seconds. And uh, I said, please don't give me a cutesy story. It's a direct question. A direct answer would be nice. How many genders are there? Now, people, a lot of people said, what's that have to do with anything? Well, it speaks to values. It speaks to uh, what you want students to learn. Right. Your uh, value system is, is necessarily going to be imparted in your decision making. Sure. In 60 seconds, he didn't give one number. It's easy enough to say two, but in 60 seconds, he couldn't say 35 like he likes to say usually. He, he wouldn't give a number. He won't do that to a broad audience. Right. No, because again, he knows in his heart how ridiculous that sounds. And those kind of exactly. those kind of questions are pertinent because it goes back to the personal philosophy that a person is operating under. And if you're making decisions for, in this case, our school systems, we want to know what your personal philosophies are because we know that they will inform your decision-making process. This is not, it's not an unfair out-of-bounds question. It is a, it is a correct question. And again, my, my whole point is going back to the lowest grades, especially where we are ultimately failing with our, our achievement scores in the lowest percentile for almost every category there is, why are we not focusing on those things and putting the rest of this stuff aside? Even if you say, we'll just fight this out in the high school arena, but everything else, we need to focus on this. It, it just, it, it seems like anytime you bring that up, it's like, you just hate children at that point. I know I love children. <laughs> I want them to learn. I want them to read. I want them to achieve. And you're a factory yeah. producing a product that is subpar. Something's got to change. Well, you know, they set up another straw man at the same forum for uh, loving or hating children. And the question was, uh, you know, should there be, uh, if the budget was there, should there be uh, early childhood education? And everybody knows that uh, pre-K education has a dramatic impact on uh, academic performance. So, so why wouldn't somebody say yes to that unless they hate kids? 
well, I don't, I don't want the government hooks in my kids that early. I mean, I barely want them, uh, in, the government hooks in my kids at all. But of course, the other side, even though they say we're, we've cut the budget to the bone, they've never met a spending priority they didn't like. Of course, they want early childhood education along with, you know, high elementary school through high school, free community college. They want all of that because they want the government influence on your kids as long as possible. I actually took a nuanced approach. I said, if the budget was there, it's not. But if it is, sure, because that dramatically improves uh, uh, you know, academic performance with the caveat of a full voucher system. Because I don't want uh, parents going having to send their pre-K kids to a school that's going to indoctrinate them and they're forced by geography to end up at a certain school. But a full voucher system would make sure that the best ideas win. And uh, if, if there was a budget for pre-K, that's a good way to do it. But uh, that's not something they would ever be in favor of. Uh, we're talking with Michael Humphrey, candidate for the Fairbanks North Starboro School Board. Uh, Michael, uh, if uh, if I waved my magic wand and made you king for a day, uh, what would the changes be as a school board member that you would focus on and want to make? If you could just you know ramrod something through, what would be the changes that you would make uh, if you had uh, if you had control of that situation? Give me a couple of them, and then we're going to close things out. Yeah, if I'm if I'm a complete dictator and I can do uh, whatever I want, um, I, I think it's pretty easy along the same lines of what I've already said. Uh, we're going to have uh, school with uh, measurable academics. Um, kids that don't perform get extra help. Uh, classroom sizes would be, you know, down to an optimal uh, number, not the 35 plus we're seeing in a lot of places. Uh, research shows somewhere 18 to 22. It depends on who you talk to on what the optimal number is. But we'd see classroom sizes uh, be much better. Uh, we'd see uh, no level of indoctrination in the schools. Uh, the teachers wouldn't be allowed to bring their uh, political theories and religions into the classroom. Um, and then, you know, uh, one of the things I've also talked about that really nobody likes to talk about is a lot of times the teachers, they don't have the disciplinary options available to them. Uh, to deal with unruly kids. Now, I, I realize we're required to provide an education to every kid in the district, but there's option. There should be more options available for teachers. When you have an unruly kid, and, and one of my one of my kids has dealt with this in their class, but when you have an unruly kid, it ruins the experience for everyone. And uh, and, and when the teacher's hands are tied, uh, that just means less learning for everybody all around. Frustration for the teacher. Uh, if we don't give the teachers more tools to deal with that. Of course, they're going to be less productive in the classroom. Yeah, so absolutely. there's there's a lot of great things I would do, but but a lot of them would revolve around the traditional approach to education. This race is obviously important, important enough that groups from outside Washington D.C. and other places are pouring money into a local school board race in Fairbanks, Alaska. Um, how does that affect you? I mean, are you, are you thinking about that? Are you seeing that? And how can people help you offset that? Yeah, um, and uh, I uh, I got a lot of national attention for the parade float. And I received a lot of donations from outside the state, five, 10, $20 donations. It was great. It was, it was grassroots people saying, I love what you're doing. I wish I could do more, but this is all I can do. And that was just, that was heartwarming to see. The other side has PACs that are funded from outside uh, Alaska. Uh, mostly, um, I think there's uh, putting Alaskans first. It looks like is an AFL-CIO type. Uh, front pack, uh, but uh, these are all funded by outside groups. They they have these disclosures on their website, and they're sending out mailers. They're running ads on social media. They're just blasting the message out there, but it's not a message. What they're doing is they're blasting out personalities. They're hoping that no one realizes how radical the other side is. Right. The other side is not a few steps down from us. They're not the moderate version of the conservatives that are running for school board. They are as far left as you can imagine. They want when they say something like 
comprehensive sex education. That's code for every single crazy sex theory you can think of. That's the kind of stuff they want in schools. Right. Uh, you know, they, they want all books to be available in libraries, no matter the content, uh, images or text or otherwise. Uh, I don't want pornography in schools. But the other side is as far radical as you can get. And they're being funded, like you said, by right. largely by outside interests. Uh, 60 seconds, uh, Michael. It's your elevator pitch. You've bumped into me in the elevator. Convince me to vote for you for school board. How do we get a hold of you? All that kind of stuff. Go ahead and give it to me. Yeah, great. Again, Michael Humphrey uh, running for uh, Fairbanks North Star Borough uh, school board seat E against uh, Tim Doran, who is a radical leftist. He's uh, He's been in schools for 40 years. And during that time, he's uh, seen we've seen test, score, test scores decline. Um I want to uh, get back to the basics, back to the rigorous academics. I want test scores to improve so that students become productive members of society, whether that's going straight to the workforce or to college for people that make sense for. Uh, and I want more parental involvements in schools. Parents are the ultimate check on uh, teachers and uh, curriculums and what's going on. And if we can do that, uh, we can we can have schools that we're proud of that produce students that uh, that can perform. All right, Michael Humphrey, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on board and joining us today. Uh, good stuff. I hope we get a lot of folks out there to vote, and uh, and hopefully we can make a difference. Hold the line for just a second, folks. We got more coming on. One final segment, my commentary and thoughts on the elections around the state. That's Dead Ahead, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay, final uh, final uh, bite at the apple here, uh, Michael. If there's anything that I didn't get to, any topic that I didn't bring up, or something that you had wished that I had asked, now's the time to uh, bring it forward and give you a little bit longer to uh, to make your final pitch as well. So anything there that we missed, or any topic that we should hit on. Yeah, you know, Michael, what I'm really concerned about is uh, you've got these people on the other side that in public, they're never going to talk about what they really want. Um, Tim Doran, who I said is my opponent, he's chief among them. He is the most radical pretending not to be a radical that I've ever seen. The guy voted for the uh, the gender supplement to the to the curriculum that uh, I'm sure we've uh, talked about numerous times. And, uh, you know, this was a controversial supplement that the um, the publisher added separately because they knew it was controversial. And uh, it uh, it taught all manner of, uh, uh, you know, sexual theory to kids. But there's just no place in the classroom for that kind of thing. I don't I don't want my kids uh, learning about that. I want to protect them from that. Uh, you know, I've said before that um, kids who are born a sex and believe they're a different sex, those kids exist, but it doesn't mean they're right. And this kind of social contagion can't be allowed to spread. And the way you spread it is under the guise of of educating just so people know and they can talk about it. And, and all that does is spread that kind of social contagion. So, um, you know, the other side is all for that. And they uh, they want to do that by any means possible, except they just won't say it outright. They'll change words. They'll change what they're trying to say. Um, and, and they'll couch their, their words in terms of respect and, and inclusion. And it's just not true. No, I, I find that, uh, you know, I find that to be a hundred percent true. Again, the, the old axiom of, uh, you know, something that is so 
dreadful and fearsome and fe- fearsome of face, first reviled, then endured, then embraced. You know, you find something out there that first it's like this is an aberration, and then well, it's you know it's okay, and then everybody's taught it, and now it's like oh it's okay, you know it's it's fine, it's good, it's now it's the way that it is. And when they're trying to teach kids this and confusing kids are already confused as it is, right? They don't they don't have the life experience to be able to sort this stuff out, and when they're planting those kind of seeds of doubt in the kids' minds, that really to me is a tragedy absolutely a tragedy so yeah. uh yeah i i uh I, i'm frustrated by it it's one of the reasons why i homeschooled all my kids because i was concerned about this even going on 20 years ago uh seeing some of the things that were being taught in classes um and uh you know i i, I still remember i pushed back against my social studies teacher in high school both my brother and i she used to give out a test that would actually I didn't we didn't know it at the time, but we figured it out later during the school year that it was actually scoring you as to what your political affiliation was in this test. And we couldn't figure out why she was trying to single single us out for so many things and questions. And so we started pushing back. And uh, it's you know, even back then, you could see that kind of leftist mentality being pushed on the kids. And, uh, you know, kids are young. They don't have a they don't have a a, a, a platform or a, a structure, a foundation to be able to fight back from, that's a problem. We should not have to be doing these kind of battles in school. You know, I saw a video recently that was uh, uh, one of these man on the street videos, and he was going around asking people, would you let your 12-year-old get a tattoo of their choosing? Every single person said no. So yeah. then he goes back and he says, would you let your 12-year-old take puberty blockers if they thought they were a different sex? Irreversible puberty blockers. Every single person said, well... Well, yeah, I mean, kids know what they want. So it's it, it's a disconnect that's taken hold, not just with the kids, but with adults, because they get bullied, they get peer pressured into agreeing with this kind of thing, when everybody can look at it and know it's a farce. Yeah. So, No, it's a problem and it's a challenge. And it's one of the reasons, again, why we need to be paying attention to what's going on in the school boards. Uh, and because, again, even though it is the lowest elected office, it is the one that has the largest long-term impact because our children... Yeah are the future, to quote Whitney Houston. Uh, Our children are the future, uh, and we've got to be able to teach them well and let them lead the way. Uh, All right, Michael Humphrey, thank you so much for coming on board. We appreciate you being part of it today. Good luck. Um, Humphrey4schoolboard.org, right? That is correct. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you coming on board. Thank you for being part of it today. Yep, my pleasure. I listen every day. So, thanks, All right. Michael. well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I apologize yep. uh, just because you know every <laughs> nobody should be subjected to that. All right, thank you so much, Michael. Appreciate you uh, calling in today. Um, all right. Well, we are down to, we got one more segment here. Uh, I'm going to do a little talking, chit chat about some of these things, my thoughts on it, uh, where we go. Uh, <laughs> see, there's some real. There's some real highbrow commentary in the chat room there. <laughs> wow. Man, some people just got hate in their hearts. You know, it's just they're just here to spread hatred, discontent, and confusion. And they walk away feeling like their job is done. And, uh, I, you know, I guess if that's how you want to live your life, more power to you. More power to you. I, for one, would rather build people up than tear them down. But there you go. Um, all right, we got uh, we got this uh, last segment coming up. You guys all ready? Oh man, tomorrow's firearms Friday. Oh, Jacob Solomon Reason Magazine is going to be joining us. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. Willie Waffle, the weekend. It's the fastest two hours in radio. Absolutely. All right, let's get to it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Here we go. Okay, uh, one final segment for the show today, and uh, it's going to be my commentary on everything that we just discussed with these two school board candidates, and how I can't, I cannot emphasize enough, cannot emphasize enough how important it is that we start paying attention to what's going on in our local communities, especially in elections like this for the school boards. It's tremendously important because these are the things that we can change. These are the things that we have direct. Yesterday, Bertoldo, Adam Bertoldo said, you know, it was the first time he'd ever seen where his input actually made a difference when he got involved in the election ordinance down in the Kenai. And he said it was the first time that he saw that he actually had input on something that could change. That he, like many others, have been focusing on all these national issues and all this other stuff, which you have very little impact or effect on. But he saw something locally, and that's what's inspired. That's where we need to be. This education thing is huge. Because, again, the long-term consequences of what's going on right now in the schools um, is going to have a lasting effect on how many future generations? We need to be focusing on... You know, the basics of education, the ability to learn, teaching the ability to learn. It's a learned skill, right? I mean, that's something you have to teach them how to learn. You have to give them a love of learning. You have to give them a foundation of, uh, of you know, grammar, logic, rhetoric. Those three things are, are the basis of, you know, a classical education. If you have those three things... You can deduce, you can learn, you could teach them to reason, you could teach them to make an argument through rhetoric of, you know, a debating an, an idea of, of, you know, holding it up and examining it from every side and doing all these things. And we're failing at doing that. I mean, absolutely failing. I mean, you look at the scholastic scores and I, and I am not kidding. We're in like the 49th position, 48th, 49th position on reading. On math, this is for fourth and eighth graders, right? We're at 46, 47, 48, right there in the bottom the entire time. And yet we continue on like, well, we'll just keep doing more of the same. We'll just put more money at it and it'll be more of the same. And, and nothing has changed. Again, the big thing that stuck out to me is when Sarah Palin was governor, we had a 73% graduation rate. We've worked our way all the way up to 76% graduation rate. In what? how many years has that been? 12 years now? 14 years? One in four children are being left behind. They're failing. They're flunking out. And even those that are graduating, can they read at their grade level? Can they read at a college level? 
Can they make change from a register? Can they do basic math? Can they go take a college level class without having to go do tutoring and get remedial math tutoring just to be able to take a hundred level college class? This is what we should be paying attention for. And, and part of this is to blame is the, stu- is the parents. I agree with that. Um, uh, one of our uh, commenters here on Twitch says, parents need to stop taking a back seat in their kids' education. Ultimately, education starts at home. Schools should have nothing to do with belief systems. That's 100% accurate. Forget about belief systems. Forget about the philosophies of things. Philosophy is for you know, older kids, late high school into college. That's when you should be talking about philosophies in the K through 12 system. What you should be focusing on is how to learn, how to reason, how to logically deduce, how to do all these things to develop a love for these things. And we're failing at that. Failing over and over and over again. And now schools have become an absolute battleground, an absolute cultural battleground over something that we should, it should never have gotten in there. It should never have gotten involved there. There should be no belief systems in school. In public schools, there should be no belief systems one way or the other. It should be a completely neutral, here's how to learn. Here's how to read. Here's how to do some basic math. Here's how to discover what you love. Why do we continue to allow this? And and I'll go a step further. And I know I know some of you are going to scream at the radio, but I keep asking myself, why do you keep putting your kids in this position? Why do you keep putting your kids in harm's way? I want to have a battle over this. I want to fight this. I want to bring it back to a more classical style education. I want to do that. I would like to see that. I'm just not willing to put my children in the middle of the battlefield while I do it. Now, I know there's people, I can't do it. I don't, you know, single parent or that. I know that not everybody can do it. I understand that. But in my heart of hearts, I'm like, I would do anything to protect my kids. Whatever it took. Whatever it took to protect my kids, I would do that. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, I mean, you get, you look at it, you look at the scholastic achievement and you look at everything else. Homeschoolers traditionally have done, have done better and continue to do better, sometimes significantly better than their peers. And that doesn't mean it's because their parents are professional educators. It means it is that, it just shows to me that it is that one-on-one interaction, that care that that interest and putting those kids' education first. Parents need to stop taking a backseat in their kids' education. Ultimately, education starts at home. Absolutely. And it, but as I told, but as I told Maggie in the first hour, I don't know exactly how to motivate more parents to get involved in that. I don't. I, I wish I wish I had an answer. But I don't. But it's one of the things that's going to make it's it, it's one of the things that would make the largest difference in all of that. The fact that you care enough about your kids to bring them in 
to teach them either at home at homeschool or when they go to school and they come home, you're spending time doing them with that is the the interest in that is what's going to make the difference in those things. But we've got to pay attention to what's going on. We have got to pay attention to these elections. You know, the school board, the borough assemblies, the things that make a difference in our life every day. Because if we don't, I mean, you know, what, what, what's, the old, you know, what's the old adage? Government is what happens to you when you're not paying attention. You know, we get the government we deserve when we're not voting and that kind of, I mean, we should be, this should be the primary focus of every citizen, who every responsible citizen, their prime priority should be paying attention to what's going on in their local communities for elections and things like that. The national stuff, great, that'll go on, whatever, but it's the opposite. It's sucking up all the oxygen in the room and we're just like trying to decide, you know, how we can be mad about something that's going on in Washington, D.C. when we can make absolutely zero difference there. Pay attention to it. Pay attention to what's going on. Go out there, get involved. Bring a friend. Somebody's like, you know, you're at work. I got to go vote. Why don't you come with me? We'll go vote together. I don't want to vote. Come on. It's important. You got kids? It's important. You got a family? It's important. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to make a change, folks. All right, we got to go. Uh, our uh, our one for tomorrow morning will feature Jacob Sullum. Our two will feature Willie Waffle. It's going to be a good one for Firearms Friday. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Mr. Masta over on Twitch had a follow-up comment. He said, my high school student said this year, within the first two days of school, he had one teacher that was pushing being a vegan, the Alaska zoology class, and had three other classes that had prominently displayed pride pride flags in the classroom in a Fairbanks high school. (laughs) Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. You, your head would spin how fast I would rip my kids out of those schools. But again, it's, I guess that's not for everybody. I just, for me... I would not stand for it. It's it's crazy. All right, my friends. Well, it's good to see you. Thank you for coming on. Tomorrow, Firearms Friday. We'll see you then. Have a good one.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. 